Everybody, welcome to Chuck Yates Needs a Job, the podcast. Patrick, we've got a first here. What's you the, are the first repeat guest we've <laughs> had in the 45 episodes of the Chuck Yates Needs a Job podcast. Uh, yeah, well, you're at 45. I am at 45. That's very impressive. Thank you. I am. Uh, I was thinking, I told you on the phone, um, the sequel always sucks. Yes, that's true. And but so it makes just, it makes bank. Uh, it always makes bank. Uh, it does. It does make bank. At least yeah, Jaws two. I was trying to think about which sequels make me. I think Shrek two. I liked. Godfather two was good. Godfather two. One was and great. two were good. Three, and, three, yeah. not so much. Well, I don't know. I I I liked three. The minute I get out, they suck me back in. So I think that might be the theme of this. The minute I got off your podcast, you suck me back there in. There we so go. There we I go. am. I, I'm. But I I thank you. Absolutely. So, for letting me be audience, if you did not listen to episode three, Patrick Miller, rector, St. Mark's Episcopal Church. Oh, wait, I thought I was two. You were three. I was Fish uh, was two. Okay. All right. So, I was was three. Fine by me. Good. Number one in my heart. How's that? Is that good to go? I'll take third. Third's good. Get a ribbon. So, okay. So, this week we did something on LinkedIn and Twitter. And we basically said, hey. You did something. Oh, I did something. You did something on LinkedIn and Twitter, you, which is put my face with your name. I with, did. And, and it's and not I the one ask. with the beard. I'm glad there's cameras because it's not the one with the beard. Um, but uh, yes, so you did something. And I think that's cool. Do um, you do you want to explain what we did or you want me to? Um, I believe, if I th- remember the story correctly, uh, and what you did is you decided, um, what we decided and you acted on, Chuck Yates needs a retreat promotion. Right. And so you and I have been kicking around the idea of, based on our conversation last year, based on conversations in the last six years we've had, that it would be, what what would it look like if we were to create a retreat experience for people to dig a little deeper into themselves and into their jobs and, and whatnot. So we've created an idea for Check Gates Needs a Retreat, and you've promoted it. And that's what I think we're doing now is helping promote that. Yeah, as well as I kind of think what we're doing now is having a, now that people actually signed up for it, <laughs> yeah. We're having we're yeah. having a planning yeah. session for it. It's just everybody's getting to see our planning session. So this is the so oh, we were in the planning session. I think so. I didn't even bring a pen. Yeah. Well, so I don't know how much trust anybody would have in the plans that we make because there's nothing. We're just sitting here talking about the plan. Uh, arrive, <laughs> retreat, leave. There's yeah. the plan. There we go. All right, we got an outline. Yeah, there's the outline. We've got Start a with that. outline. Yeah, during the week. Uh, so I talked to, I mean, it was interesting when we were, uh, we were at breakfast together just the other day with a group of people that we have breakfast with every other week. And a lot of them were saying that some of their, their friends and, and spouses had heard about our retreat and we're going to go. And they were very suspicious about what they, they were going <laughs> to do. <laughs> so I think we can sort of maybe have a conversation about what it is we would do. There we go. So. What we're thinking is Monday, November 1st, you show up down in Richmond at, you know, let's call it six o'clock or something like that. Well, dinner. Dinner. And uh, we go grab dinner. We break bread together. 
um, and the like. And then we'll just camp out in my house Monday night and Tuesday night. And then the thought would be, you know, lunchtime Wednesday, you're free. There so that that's kind of the 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 time. What do you think we're gonna do oh, during I that I period? What I, what I think we ought to say is what we are gonna do. do. So I I don't know the etymology of the word retreat except that it um, means to run away, and you retreat often when you're losing a battle or you retreat when the the things aren't going in particularly in your direction. So. Retreats are an old form of people getting together to get away from uh, the city, usually, and get away from their regular lives and get into a situation where they might um, experience um, new people and experience other people and their stories in a fairly um, acute environment. So we would get together for dinner. Uh, dinner and breaking bread companion, I believe has a, has a meaning about breaking bread. So we'll get some companions together. We will try to establish some, some uh, a container, some boundaries to say, look, um, you know, confidentiality, please. Uh, everybody's going to get a little vulnerable, we hope. And, and we'll just kind of move from there. That's sort of the setting. And then each of the sort of times we're together, we're going to kind of work through some work that I'm interested in, um, which has a lot to do with family systems theory by Dr. Bowen, uh, a lot to do with uh, you know, your what's called an Enneagram, where you study your generational self back three, so from your grandparents to your to your parents to you. Um, then we'll do some work with uh, Ed Friedman, who does uh, has a great book called Failure of Nerve, which talks a lot about anxiety and and leadership. Uh, I like a thing called the Enneagram, which is a uh, a way to kind of study what what motivates you. Um, there's nine types, and you just take a little quick little test on uh, on the internet. Really, it's like Myers Briggs, but it's called the Enneagram. And then sort of use those various um, platforms as launch pads to have a longer conversation about how people are managing through COVID, managing through the disruption in their in their particular industry. I know this is you're kind of lean towards the energy industry, but I know that there's a lot of disruption, and I've been doing a lot of work on um, success and loss, and so the idea of how you manage loss and how you alchemize loss and how you can kind of lean towards joy is sort of the stuff that that I bring to the table. So we'll, I think by the end, you know, you this is a we're aiming towards people who lead. So outcomes are important. And so the first outcome is you've made some new friends. Uh, you've got some people in your, in your corner that you trust a little more maybe uh, that you didn't expect. So you, you've got that, that you've gotten more curious about who you are and the, what has made you up to this point. Of, for me, I'm 54, so up to 54 years, what's, what, has, what, has, what are the influences to me? And then you're able to then turn around and kind of ask a different question about uh, about your future. Like, how am I going forward? How am I going to engage in the world? Now, the thing about retreats, and this is kind of our deal, I mean, my deal anyway, is that typically you go on the retreat and that's great. I had a great time, learned a lot, uh, feel good. And now I got nothing left. I mean, what's the follow-up? And so I think part of our work is looking at 
um, what the follow-up is over the course of the relationships. So how do you get back together? Do you get back together? Was it awful? I'll never see those people again. I can't believe I did the, I mean, it's, it's, it's that, that we don't know. So I also feel like, you know, yeah, well, you know, it's interesting that you say that is my dad early on when I was young, um, kind of getting out of college, he said, Hey, go choose a GP doctor. That's basically your own age, maybe a little older and just go to that person for the rest of your life. Because so much of what happens to your health are little undetectable changes that seeing a new doctor would not get picked up on, but seeing someone that you've grown old with would get picked up on and, hey, yeah. Chuck, something's different with you. We need to figure out what it is. And th- why I say that story is, I mean, you've, in effect, you and I check in regularly over the last six years and you can tell when something's different with me, you know, even right. even if I can't necessarily tell. And so I like the fact, and I don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but you have this moment with this group and being able to check in regularly and quote unquote kind of grow old together, I think could be incredibly valuable. Yeah, I think, you know, the older you get, the the, the smaller that group get becomes. Right. So I, I leaned over to Allison the other day. My, Allison's my wife. And I'm like, you know, I don't know, like, who are my friends? Um, and cause everything seems to be transactional. So who, you know, you take stock in, all right, do I have, so I have a question. I mean, I'm curious, this is me, this is the kind of thing, but you know, so you lost your job. Right. And who left you because you were no longer the guy who could provide millions of dollars into X fund who likes the managing partner of Kane Anderson <laughs> yeah. versus who yeah. liked Chuck. Yeah. Who likes Chuck yeah. and, and who, and, and so that's always, I'm curious, like, um, if I wasn't an Episcopal priest, would I still have the same entree into these, uh, these, these relationships or what is it about Patrick and who is Patrick in that? And I think that's a, a concern for pe- people, particularly for people who are in higher levels of, of leadership like there's a great old Sopranos episode where Tony Soprano realizes that all the guys are laughing at his jokes because he's Tony Soprano, right? Well, they're not laughing at the jokes because they're funny. Right. They're laughing at the jokes because he's Tony Soprano. Well, you know, Chris Martin and Coldplay opened up for U2 on one of their tours early on. This was, you know, 20 some odd years ago. And Chris Martin looks at Bono one night while they're having a beer and just says, hey, can you give me some advice? And Bono says... You know, if you're having dinner and the other nine people at the table work for you, you've become an asshole. And it's, you know, it's it's exact. I mean, the whole the whole reason I, the whole reason I moved out to Richmond, Texas, because I grew up out there. But you know, when I went to Rice, I'd always kind of been in and around Rice. You know, you can't get too far from the campus when you live there. Uh, you know, I was going through the divorce. And I was probably separated at the time tough time. I'm at dinner at a restaurant with a friend and I see somebody coming to the table and I said, 37. And my friend kind of looks at me and somebody comes over, Hey Chuck, how you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And I'll change the details. So not to give away who it is. Cause I don't want to name names, but they were like, Hey, can I bring my service provider over to Kane to talk to you about this deal? And 
my the joke to my friend was it didn't even take 37 seconds is that what you, you know 37 oh, yeah, yeah right. and so it was literally that moment where i was just like you know i'm managing partner of kane here in houston i'm not chuck yates yeah so i want to go back home to richmond where people knew me before i was 18 years old yeah i know? think yeah and i think there's a a desire you know can't go home again but how do you how do you how do you balance that right because i think it, when you were chuck yates if I, whatever you were the grand this, this that and the other, did you have a fez did nah. you get to wear like did, does kane when you guys get together do you have like hats that you wear that dictate you know who you are at the table like they're, a fez they're, they're, they were a little stricter on d dress code than i was which oh, well, I, might yeah, have I, been I, part I, of I, the I, problem I, I, what your outfit was that you yeah. had, had my fez yes um, my but, <laughs> the chuck fez. um but i think that i think how do you balance yeah you're a man of influence you can indeed make things happen for other people and other people benefit everybody benefits best deal ever um and you're also a human being so how do you balance being a human being with being somebody of influence? And I think you have to kind of get back to some some roots of like, you know, who are who who am I exactly? Like I I'm curious about how you, and this is an actual question, it might be a question we ask, how if you are if your identity is wrapped up in your things, like the exterior stuff, like I'm really cool because I drive this car. I'm really cool because I have this house. I'm really cool. I was laughing to a friend of mine earlier today in the neighborhood where I live. It's fairly fancy. And um, I'm walking my dog and I've got her on this leash and I'm carrying her her uh, her poop in a bag. And, and we're walking past uh, another woman who lives in the fancy neighborhood and she's got her dog on a leash and she's walking her dog and she's got her dog's poop in a bag. And we just sort of pass. And I thought, well, we've made it. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is the penultimate. We live in this neighborhood <laughs> only to walk behind our dogs and carry their poop in a bag. That's the old sign. And, and who made it? The dog or me? I yeah. mean, if somebody That's carries the my Seinfeld poop in a bag. Joke. Aliens come down and say, "Who's the leader?" It's clearly the dog. It's clearly he this dog because he has this, uh, this person that carries poop, poop in a bag. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, if, if you're wrapped up in the external part, and if only if all you all you feel and all you think is your yourself. Uh, validity is in the things, then I think you're going to have a losing battle. Um, and because so, it's temporal. You and I talked about this because you basically, you know, five, six years ago, untangled for the fact that too much of my sense of self-worth was wrapped up in Kim's approval, mm -hmm. you know, and we had to, we had to go through that. And that was a big thing that hit me is, you know, if your sense of self-worth is based on someone else liking you, that someone else could die, that someone else could stop liking you, and that devastates you, well, you know? Well, the, the, uh, the, so we all have to balance, right? I guess I'm hitting that, and maybe that's the retreat, because again, this is the beta test of the retreat. Like, we don't, we, we just want, to, we are curious to get smart people and um, curious people in a in a retreat setting and see what happens and sort of like in a petri dish sort of thing. So we really don't know, right? right. So I think that we have to be honest about that. But there, you come out of the womb and you have to seek the approval of the two giants who are in charge of you uh, in order to get fed and to get changed because right. you know that's what you do. Um, and so there's that's okay, 
right? It's okay. But if it, if it moves into a, a, a setting where that's all it is, now I feel like you're out of balance. And the, an internal self, uh, the ability for someone to kind of go inside of the, his or herself and say, okay, I'm just good. I'm good because I have a soul and I exist. Yeah. You know, my goodness comes from that. Myself, uh, I care. My, my self-care, my self-compassion, all those wonderful words that are batted around today need to be internalized and be real. Um, and I believe that if we can do that with um, leaders in industry, then I believe that we can change the way the culture is in the, um, in the office as well at, as at home. And as you change those cultures to a more centered, balanced place, the productivity of the group goes up. I mean, you can lead by fear um, and you can be a, tyran- a, a tyrannical person, tyrannical leader, anybody's worried and scared of you, you can do that. But that's a short term. Uh, yeah. That's a short term, a long term deal. You create legacy and all sorts of things. So anyway, I, you know, I, I, uh, my big push right now is for myself. And I guess this is more of a selfish retreat. I think Chuck Yates needs a retreat. He's bringing his friend, the priest along. The two of them just want to work on this stuff. If anybody wants to eavesdrop, come right ahead. Um, but I'm trying to, as I move into this next quadrant of existence, which has a final end, right? I, I will end at some point. I'm curious to create in myself a, a self-legacy of, of, of awareness, of being centered, of being open to change, to not get atrophied, to not move to a place where I, I don't have any, um, any mobility in my soul uh, for change. And so that's a prayer a day kind of thing for me. It's like, okay, you know, get up today. What is new? How can I grow? What can I do to better the people around me and myself? Um, this is the goal today. And I, and I, you know, and again, I, you know, there's, there's ways to unlock that, that I think we're going to do um, when we get together at your house for, for two nights. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because when we were early on chatting about things, when got separated in the low spot and all, uh, I want to say it was even our friend David Dollinger who some either at a breakfast club said this or in an email or just something that two of the most powerful words on the planet are me too. Right. And that's the one thing that happened. Cause when I started the podcast, I really thought it was going to be 13 year old Chuck telling poopy and fart jokes. You those know, are, what, there's nothing wrong. I thought that's what it was. And fart jokes. I mean, those are, what's nothing matter with that. The, uh, so, uh, anyway, I thought, uh, I thought that's what it was going to be. And, the podcast got really serious and thoughtful quick, quicker than, mm. than I really thought would happen. You know, talking to Fish about getting fired, he had gotten fired, talking to you about things. And then, you know, you look and David Hayes coming on talking about going through testicular cancer. Like literally we talked 24 hours after his last treatment. You know, Jeff Davies coming on and just talking about the experience he had at a hedge fund and the like. And, uh, Michael Patrick Smith, the folk singer, coming on and just talking about growing up in an abusive childhood and trying to find himself. So it got more serious quicker. And the amount of folks that reach out and say, 
thank you for sharing that is was stunning for me i didn't expect that kind of reaction yeah. i i actually expect kind of mocking you know but it's been totally the opposite so that was the thought behind that combined with you pulled a group of us together like three or four years ago that you all knew we were going through something mm -hmm. uh one of the fellows was dying from cancer etc yeah. job type issues with other folks and and we met i think every tuesday night for eight weeks or 10 right. weeks, whatever it was. And just the experience of that and sharing and the me too, man, that changed my life for a positive. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting. I mean, all those things that you just described, I'm, I'm fascinated by because, um, it, it feels to me like we live in a cannot speak culture right now where if we were to offer opinion or disagree, we'll just get slammed. Like we live in a place where and I'm me, I'm in, I'll put count myself in this. Like, you know, if you put something on Twitter or you put something on any sort of social media thing that you will get trolled by, by strangers from as far away as, you know, wherever. And that fear of being able to open up, um, and share, uh, Sometimes I feel like people use social media to share too much, but right. that fear of like what? Because the other day at the at, our, at that breakfast, the guy was describing the end of his father's life, and and I don't think he had had any place to be able to to talk about that, and right. and to to be able to have, and I think that's what the again the pitch for the retreat is. This is a place where it will offer you an opportunity with us within a small group safe setting to bring up some of the things that are going on with the also with here are some tools in order to manage what's going on and to be able to say yeah me too yeah i think that when you I, we were laughing about um about how people you know pay more attention when they eavesdrop um group therapy which i don't think this is because i'm not a therapist are you you're not no. there, but yeah. So this isn't group therapy per se, but I believe I I've done group therapy. And in that situation, it was great because you got to listen and go, Oh, I'm not as messed up as I thought I was. Right. Um, but I do have this to offer you in the pain that you're in. And there's a, a nice way of kind of, of, of healing that takes place. Even if it's a little bit, um, I think if you just get a little bit of healing, into some deep pain, then you're set off into the right direction. Yeah. So anyway, I think that we have an opportunity to, I mean, because, you know, nobody, what I love about it is like, Patrick, the what? And, but you have a platform because you're Chuck Yates. And, and, and so, <laughs> so Chuck Yates's platform, uh, people are like responding, like no more people have, I mean, it's interesting to me, like people have, like when the, when the ad, came out, you know, with, with my face and your name, people were like, you're trusting Chuck Yates with your, with your, with your likeness. And, uh, it's like, yeah, I, try, I trust Chuck Yates with my likeness. And, but, but yeah, if I were to put out, uh, Patrick Miller's Patrick Miller needs a retreat. People were like, I, yeah. And I, I don't know who that is, but, but I, I think that when you use your platform, there's a great book by Bob Johansson called the reciprocity advantage. And so when, um, two people have, have an idea there's a reciprocity in that and so your name chuck yates me with me as your you know sidekick friend um 
I think we could do some good for people. And no, so, I think you're like, really good yeah. at this. I well, mean, yeah, you, you, no, you, nice. no, you, no, nice. you really are because that group thing we did was amazing. You babysitting me over uh, over time has been amazing. Well, and then so let's be fair. Let's being able you. to share that with my network is is really important. But what that was, and and I think that's important. It's important is it. You know, we have to give a. A shout out to that was a Brene Brown daring way thing. Right. So she had a curriculum, uh, eight weeks long that I was being trained in. That's what th this is not just, just to be clear. Um, but that's what that was. And that her work is, is, has been powerful to a lot of us in the world. And so you need to have that to, to be sure that, you know, that's what we were doing. Um, I think that that's not what this is per, you know, we're not using a curriculum, uh, we're using books that uh, we enjoyed, or I enjoy rather. Um, I don't think you can have a conversation in our culture right now without bringing up things that Brene writes about in, in all of her work. But I do believe that that's what was really important there, right? I think that that curriculum was a great launching pad to, and it has been for a lot of people for a lot of healing. So, you know, we need to make sure we say that out loud. Yeah, no, I mean, her... The things that I got from reading all the Brene Brown books that really hit home for me were, one, the pressure point for a male is we can't fix stuff. When we can't fix stuff, that leads to our, our, our not liking ourselves and our bad behavior. Um, and then the other part about, you know, kind of her work is the only way to deal with that shame is words. You mm -hmm. know, yeah, shame hates words. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and that was pretty enlightening for me. Yeah, I think that we have to look at, in a holistic way, all of the pressure points that one person hits takes on, right? So shame is, is definitely that. Um, I'm into a, a, a lot of how my family um, inadvertently gave me uh, a heredity that I may not have asked for, right? So... I'm curious about the suicide of my grandmother in 1938 and how that action reverberated all the way to me. I'm curious about my other, my mom's father who he died in 1944 of tuberculosis and left my grandmother and my mother and um, uh, aunt and uncle sort of as a widow and these, these three kids, how that reverberated all the way up to 1966 when I'm born um, the, the emotional things that happened both from my father's side and my mother's side that came to me that I inherited that I didn't ask for, which, um, that's the problem with, uh, inheriting things. Uh, sometimes it's a boon. I didn't ask for this million dollars, but thank you very much. I appreciate right. that I inherited that. Or I didn't ask for this alcoholic predisposition, but thank you very much. I have it now. Right. And so how do you manage that? And how do you manage the, 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 the the generational things that you didn't ask for but you own and how do you own them right so i feel like it's important for me to go ahead and and because it was a big family secret you know uh how did dad's how did my grandmother die well you know she's an actress and, they, and your uncle right. found her dead and i know uh, no, well, what happened you know well she was in postpartum depression oh when did my father so my father is born in uh september and my grandmother kills herself in December. So now you want to flash forward and wonder why this, my father flunks out of West Point. You wonder, want to wonder why my father uh, became, was able to get into alcoholic 
behavior quick. Yeah, because his mother committed suicide three months before, after he was born. Right. So that kind of family trauma that goes back a generation, and definitely, in my opinion, influences us in our in our current generation. And, and so getting clean, I think, about that and how, um, you know, the shame of a suicide in 1938, um, the, the, the way that it was kind of kind of, well, we're going to do a new family restart. And now we have the perfect, uh, Cleaver family. Now we got, everybody's you know, by right. 48. And, uh, they were like, why is, uh, this man not going to work in by 71? And so the, that, that knowledge has helped me and Allison, I believe, manage how we're going to, uh, raise our children. And so we both committed to breaking the cycles in our both of our family's uh, systems of origin, break those cycles, and and give our children freedom. Now, I am by no means a perfect dad. No. There's a, a phrase I like called brave king and dark monster. And so <laughs> I, am, I am both the six-foot-four brave dad who can put a Band-Aid on you, and I am also this dark, crazy monster that that set me outside and, and told me, don't come home. You know, right. Like, right. Like, How's that for parenting work? You know, you know, it's like, what is he doing? You may not come back inside the house and right. apologize to your sister. Yeah. Well, she's inside the house. How do I apologize? Yeah, it makes no sense. How, I'm a paradox. Yeah. I'm a giant man. I'm a dark monster. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, but, but I feel, um, I'm, I, I think that Henry is probably a, emotionally about six or seven years ahead of me or where I was at his age. And, uh, and, and really, really proud of how Catherine's kind of turned out. Now they could take wrong turns tomorrow, but Allison and I got clear early. And that's the kind of thing that we would discuss you know, when you do a genogram, cause you pay attention to those generational things that have been passed down to you. And you can then go, Oh, and to your point, if, if shame, shame hates words, um, all things hate words, you know, awareness, you know, oh, look at that. Right. Um, I'm doing the same thing that the folks in 1942 did. Hmm. Uh, maybe I should shift a little bit. So that's the- well. And what's interesting about that is because you and I have talked about that. We spent a lot of time in the Yates house growing up because dad has a PhD in biology, a doctor, mom is an undergrad biology, has a master's in genetics, taught biology. We were always 99% nature, 1% nurture mm. in the Yates house. And to your point, it doesn't matter. You know, mm. the suicide, whether that was nature or nurture, it doesn't matter. It happened and it impacts you. Yeah. And whether it, whether it impacts you because you lived it, i.e. nature, or it impacts you because you have her DNA in you as well, mm. it, really, it really doesn't matter. And the other thing kind of analogous to that when first got separated and I was going to therapy, my therapist said, okay, let's talk about previous relationships. And I go, Kim and I started dating when I was 19. I mean, you know, this is college. She, she is the previous relationship. Yeah. Yeah. College. Sweetheart. I mean, so, I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to, you know, if we're going to sit here and talk previous relationships, we're going back to high school and homecoming and my therapist says, that's exactly where we're going. And I go, you're crazy. So we start talking about all that. And 
I did, I think it was a Matthew McConaughey movie, but anyway, I did that. I drank too much one night and started calling all the ex-girlfriends from high school. And it was shocking how one of the ex-girlfriends who I'd talked to three times in the last 30 years said, oh, we're going to do this, Chuck? This is great. Here's your problem. And I go, oh my God, did you get notes from Kim yesterday? And she goes, no, you've always been like that. And it was, it was kind of scary. Well, I think it's high fidelity. I think it's, oh, was that, I, I think it's, I think you think the movie so you're was thinking of was Cusack high fidelity. He, yeah, Cusack okay. goes back to all the girlfriends he had up to that point to try and figure out asking them all the same thing. I, well, you know, that's one of the steps in, in the 12 step program is to kind of go back towards the people you feel like you've wronged. Yeah. Right. And, your wrongs. And right. Your wrongs and, and, and to make amends, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think that I, again, the goal at all times is awareness, you know, you're, uh, you're constantly seeking to be curious and open to what am I missing? Right. What am, what, and I, I think a good question, you know, some behaviors that I've exhibited in my past is like, what is that about? Why did I, where yeah. is that coming from? And you know, the first thing is, okay, well, you don't, don't do that. Second thing is some self care. Like, okay, well, I'm, 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 I'm not, uh, you know, it's odd for me to say this as a priest, but you know, I'm not going to hell for that. Um, and then to kind of go, what, what, what is that? You know, and be curious about, about it. And, and that's, that's it. I mean, I just, I don't, I think it's, it sounds so simple, but it's really what is motivating me, my behavior forward. Is it, I have locked up the shame. Right. Is it I'm locked up in a, a, a cycle of behavior that uh, is detrimental to me and to my children and the people I love? Is it causing uh, the end of a marriage? Is it causing me to lose my job? It, it, what is it about me that I can become a holistic person, you know, in totally health, physical health, mental health, spiritual? How can I, how can I become a well-rounded human being? And I, I don't think enough people are asking that. Um, and if they are, I, I'm really excited about creating a situation where they can come and, and explore that with two Ooh. yahoos are trying to figure it out too. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't think I've got it. I don't think you've got it. I think I've, I've read something, but you know, I, I don't know if it'll work. I mean, I, I've always said, you know, the greatest thing about you as a priest is um, we sit there and talk and, you know, I'll be embarrassed about something, but I will fess up to you about it and you'll go, well, I did this. And I'm like, dude, that's bad. And yeah. You're like, well, I'm a, pri- I like yeah. you're a priest. You can't yeah, do that. And you go, yeah, I, yeah no. I know I shouldn't have, but it's so bad. I you know, what was really important about, you know, attaining the curious mindset. That's important. What I found is I had to tie it to the physiological changes I was feeling. So, you know, quote unquote, my temperatures rising. Oh yeah. You, you know, all, all of that, because that to me was the the biggest trigger or the, the the biggest thing that was happening that I didn't appreciate uh when I tied those two together okay my temperature's rising get curious get curious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah yeah cuz it's true yeah i know i that's called we in my world um in the work that i've done um, as an, an analysis in jungian psychology is we call that a complex so when you feel your body um, begin to change and heat up or whatever you're in what's called a complex. And the phrase is, um, you don't have a, the complex as you, you don't have the complex. So you're now in a different, so how to sort of manage yourself when you go there. Right. So 
I, I totally, you know, I'm, I'm trying very hard to learn to take a step backward to physically. I was, I was telling some colleagues, I was like, I actually take a step back. Right. Um, don't do anything. Don't make any decisions. Right. Wait, because it will, it will, it's energy, right? So it will, it will ultimately balance out. But once you get hot wired into that stuff, man, and you can see that stuff. We, there's a term we, that I've learned to use the shadow. And once your shadow gets activated, uh, man, you, you can watch some people throw some latte. I mean, you, you can be in a Starbucks and watch it happen. I mean, all that barista wants to do is give you a coffee. They, they did right. not wake up today and figure out how they could ruin your coffee. Right. And, and so the hardest, so a complex I have, I have entitlement complexes. I'm, I'm so my favorite story is, um, one of, of, of misbehavior is like when Henry was a little boy and, and Allison was working downtown and I was working downtown. So we would always go downtown and we go in the morning, we'd drop Henry off at daycare and we'd go down. So we'd stop at a Starbucks to get coffee. And so we're in the long line at the Starbucks to get coffee and we're getting the coffee and, and I get up to get my coffee and I just want two black coffees. I get up, it's my turn. And they're like, um, we're out of coffee. And so I said, it's, it's 830. And like, yeah, we're out of coffee. It's 830. I was like, anticipate that. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I'm just standing there and, and I'm dressed as the, as a priest, uh, in collar and everything. I was like, it's, it's 830. Anticipate that it's, you're going to have a lot of coffee served at 830 and, and I'm in a complex now and I should stop. Right. But I keep going. It's 830 and you should anticipate the fact that you're going to have a lot of people who want coffee between now and about 930. And so you should make more coffee. So there should be coffee. I'm like, well, I can make you a coffee Americano. I was like, that, I will take that now. And so I take my coffee, these two cafe Americanos, which isn't coffee. It's just, it's, it's a, what, it's a shot of a espresso with water. Espresso with water. Hot water. And of course they name it an American, which is get this obnoxious American out of my coffee store. It's Americano. So, so I leave. And about two years later, um, a friend of mine becomes the manager of that Starbucks. Right. And so I, uh, I show up and I'm like, so excited. You're the manager. This is great. Look at you. It's just like, you just want to coffee? It's like, yeah, this is coffee. Everybody's happy. And I leave. And her coworkers go, you know the mean priest? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, that is the meanest priest ever. ever. He made so-and-so cry one day. And I, you know, nobody wants to be known, I mean, particularly in my work, as the mean priest. priest yeah. But I am known at that particular Starbucks as the mean priest because I was in a, I'm like, I got a little kid. I got a wife at work. I've been trying to get down. People tell me all their problems. I don't want to, all I really want is two black coffees. You give me a cabin Americano. You don't anticipate. It's boof, you know, and suddenly I am, my priesthood is now illegitimate when I'm supposed to represent Jesus and represent him in the world. I am now known as the mean priest. And that's so not a, that's not a great Yelp review. It is not a yeah. great Yelp. You know, the yeah. mean priest, I wouldn't go to his church. He's a mean priest. And, and so we all have that in us, which is called a complex, which is activated by and being curious, you understand, well, okay, I, why do I need to feel entitled to two coffees? Why am I entitled to that? I'm not. Um, what is that about? Well, I think maybe you can get back down to the little five-year-old boy who lost his dad and didn't know which way, you know, I can get quick into understanding why I would react so ridiculously to no coffee. I mean, it does not, 
does not matter. Right? right. And so how do we grow from these things? And, you know, how do you grow from the, I, I was speaking with a friend yesterday and she's like, I think I finally found a way to use all of the toxic muck from my divorce forward to better people's lives. And I was like, that is exactly the goal. Yeah. How do you take the toxic muck from these awful things and, and my phrase would be to alchemize them, but to change them from lead into gold so that you can help other people in the world. And I think that is huge um, as, a, as a human, a goal. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, having something bad happen to someone else isn't going to make you feel any better. <laughs> it just isn't, you know. There may be a, a slight, shun, a little There might okay. be a slight little visceral. <laughs> it's yay, okay, that's a great. But and uh, the the other thing too is, and this is going to sound pathetic. You know, it's the old guy sitting in the front lawn. Get off my lawn! Oh yeah, kid. yeah, yeah. But, Black socks with a water hose. Yes, exactly. But sitting here today, God, if I screwed something up, I don't want the young guys to do it. So I'm happy to tell the 25 year old guy, Hey, you don't want to do this because this is where it's going to lead. You know, yeah. and so there's there's a phrase. You, you, there's sometimes there's only one way to learn that to not pick up the cat by its tail. Yes, you have to pick up a cat by its tail and go. Oh, and only one of us again. should pick up the cat. Yeah, by only, the tail. yeah, only one time. I wish that um, one of the guys in the group when we were together was a guy named Colin, uh, and Colin and I did a lot of comedy. He's a very successful at his, in his industry, very high end success. And he wished that he, we could create some of this work for people that he worked with. And then he, uh, unfortunately he died and maybe we're picking up the mantle, but we wish that 23 year old, um, people would just acknowledge, um, uh, mystery and just acknowledge that they are, uh, a little bit, right? And in uh, for me, it would be like just say the Lord's prayer before you get up or before yeah. you go to bed. Just something to acknowledge that that the in t that the external world is is great, but the internal world will uh, will sustain you because you reach an age between the ages of thirty six and fifty six where you suddenly wake up to the fact that the external world will not sustain you. Right. And that's the divorces and the deaths and the, all of the problems and the money is, is great, but it doesn't help. And at the end of the day, it's, I sleep in a comfortable place, but I'm still feeling like a miserable human being. And so if we can get you to do that when you're 20 in your twenties, just a little, it's like a uh, compounded interest that, that sustains you over the course of the investment. Emotional wealth. I actually yeah, like that. Emotional wealth. So if I can get you to do a little bit of that, then you, it's like putting 50 bucks away in, in the savings account Weekly a month. At you 4% will, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm by no means an example of compounded interest, but I do see the value in it if we can do it. So yeah. So we're there, again, our retreat back to the pitch um, is uh, it's not an age doesn't, you know, you can be 22, 23. I mean, you know, yeah. 82, 83, just come on, be with us. So the, so the logistics on that is my LinkedIn page, my Twitter feed, both will have, um, a link to 
what I'll call a sign-up form. The sign-up form is confidential. Only Patrick and I will read it, and where we get name, information, and the like, and just some thoughts on why you'd want to come. Uh, we're going to try to get the group together maybe the first week in October, because I think we may have some homework out of this. You yeah, may yeah. need to read a book or, right. or uh, jot down some notes and the like. And uh, so we'll pull we'll pull together a group um, of folks and and kind of let folks know. And hopefully this isn't the last one. Uh, hopefully we 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 do more of these. And so yeah, sign up. We'll go through it. We'll pull the the group together. And uh, I think this is going to be really good. Yeah, and I think the purpose of the sign up is to be able to um, to kind of match the group in in a way because you can only it's about ten. You know, yeah, the, the, the max people will have yeah. theirs too, and and we'll do multiple ones. But we need to do just because after if you, any bigger than that, and you begin to kind of it begins to lose itself. So we'll be curious. So the folks who come who don't may come to who, the folks who come to the first one might be folks who we you know uh, know we can experiment on, and then from that failure will come greater successes as we move forward. <laughs> so if you don't get to go to the first one, it's like, oh, good, I'm glad I didn't go to the first one. Yeah, you you, you should be glad. <laughs> Man, the mean priest. Woo! The mean, the mean priest came out. Well, Pat, good. Patrick, I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll have fun. Oh, by the way, I didn't know we were going to be on TV, so that's the reason I'm in shorts. Ah, got you. Okay. I knew we were going to be in TV, so that's why I wore a black yeah, hoodie. Well, right, so. good. Thanks for, being, thanks for having me along. 